It's August 29th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got two in-depth briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, regret in the state of Oregon this morning. Voters there say that they should have never legalized hard drugs. I'll explain why they regret their decision and why you should care. Second, well, a very different set of drugs to talk about, prescription drugs. Some important news, folks, about the trust that you should have or not in America's medical system. Later, we close out the podcast with a listener question. This is from Michael in Idaho. He wants to know if I can share anything about working in alias at the CIA. So I'll share a little bit with a tip that you can use in your life. But first, let's get to our top story of the morning. A lesson of regret and pain this morning coming to us from the state of Oregon. And it all comes down to the legalization of hard drugs with some very important lessons for the rest of the nation. Now, before I tell you this news, we need to go back in time a bit and understand something called Measure 110. Now, that was a law that was adopted by voters in the Beaver State back in 2020. And this was the pitch for that ballot initiative. There are a lot of drug dealers and users in Oregon, or so said the supporters of this measure, but not enough treatment facilities. And that is leading to most users being arrested and jailed when they're caught. And that's bad because they need help, not jail. In other words, the state of Oregon was criminalizing drugs and saddling people with criminal records and that prevented them from getting housing or schools or jobs. Plus, and this next part is key, folks, Oregon's drug laws had, quote, disproportionately harmed poor people and people of color, end quote. So the way to resolve this, at least according to the proponents of Measure 110, was to legalize the use and possession of hard drugs. Or, to be more accurate, Oregonians can possess and use things like heroin, cocaine, meth, fentanyl, whatever drug you want, and that is no longer a criminal offense. Instead, it's a civil offense, and you can have that charge dropped very quickly if you either agree to rehab or pay a $100 fine, which in Oregon is about the, well, it's around the fee of a traffic ticket. So this was the idea, right? And proponents lobbied pretty hard for it, including over 110 uh, self-described racial justice and health equity organizations, plus some doctors and nurses too, including Oregon Nurses Association and the Oregon Academy of Family Physicians, to just name a few. But the biggest proponent was the lead organizer of this measure, a group called the Drug Policy Alliance. And that is an organization that is largely bankrolled by the Democrat financier, George Soros. But Mr. Soros had some other big pockets to help him out, including Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg and his wife Priscilla. They chipped in too. So with all those smart doctors and nurses and activists and Zuckerbucks, Measure 110 passed. It got about 58% of the vote. So that was about three years ago. Three years of Oregon serving as a national laboratory for the people who want to legalize or reform the drug world. Okay, well, it's time to ask, what's happened? Well, we can start with this. Only 1% of drug addicts sought help at those rehab centers. The rest, 99%, continued to use. 
And that led to this. Opiate deaths, they are up 533% in Multnomah County, that is home to Portland, Oregon, especially hit in Multnomah County or the black, Hispanic, and indigenous folks who live in that county. Now, outside of Portland, the rest of the state, that has seen an overall rise in drug deaths as well. Fatal overdoses are up 61%, that is according to CDC data. Meanwhile, a record number of homeless people in Oregon have died, too, from drug overdoses, up 53% this year over last year, at least in Multnomah County. Meanwhile, crime throughout the state, well, that went up, too, especially in downtown Portland. The Rose City turned into what the Oregonian newspaper called an open-air drug market, with violence and crime rising along with it. And that, well, it's done a lot of things to include pushing out businesses from Portland, including the retailer REI. They recently shut their doors due to shoplifting and violence that can be correctly blamed on the homeless and drug-using issue there in Oregon. And finally, speaking of the homeless problem, that too has skyrocketed in the state of Oregon, up 23% since Measure 110 passed. So putting it all together, we've got a growing number of politicians and residents then who are saying, well, we have had enough. For instance, Portland's mayor, who is a leftist, his name is Mr. Ted Wheeler, he has said that Measure 110 is not working as intended. Indeed. Then there was a poll out just this last Friday. It says that the rest of the state of Oregon largely agrees with this fellow. Emerson College polled 1,000 registered voters in Oregon just earlier this month, in fact, and asked them what they thought about this Measure 110 now three years later. They asked them whether or not Oregon should keep this law on the books or toss it out. Well, on Friday, the results were released from Emerson College, and here is what they found. 56% of Oregonians say that they want an immediate repeal of this law. But here's the more critical point, I think. Upwards of 70%, that is 70% of black, Hispanic, and indigenous voters want Measure 110 gone. Which is quite something when we think about the racial justice organizers who were saying that the whole point of Measure 110 was to benefit these folks of color. Now it is they who hate it the most. Okay, well, that might be interesting to everybody. But let's say you live somewhere else, not in Oregon, so why should you care? Well, here's why. So a few minutes ago, I mentioned the Drug Policy Alliance, and they are backed by George Soros and Mark Zuckerberg. Well, this organization has said that they plan to legalize drugs nationally, and that starts in Oregon, right? The plan is to do it in every single state of the union using those big Soros and Zuckerberg box to get there. In other words, Oregon's experiment could be coming to a state near you, if not the very one that you live in. So with that, let me pivot now from facts and data to my analysis and opinion. So first, I admit something. This story is very personal. My family has farmed, ranched, and logged in Oregon since 1852. And that means that my ancestors and cousins and neighbors helped build that state from the Willamette Valley to eastern Oregon. And now I am alive to watch all their sacrifice just be absolutely destroyed by these men, George Soros and Mark Zuckerberg. But it's not just them, is it? It's those doctors and nurses and hospitals that supported Measure 110 too. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, the very people who are supposed to be smart and care for the sick and dying, they actually helped set up a system where it and they pushed people into addiction, homelessness, 
and death. And that is a very important takeaway, at least for me. It tells me that smart people can be very dumb. And I think that we would be smart to remember that when it comes to all kinds of things, especially and including when a doctor or a medical system tells us to just trust them, trust their smarts and judgment, and just do as they say. More on that in a second, actually. But the point remains, it is okay to be skeptical of otherwise smart people. Finally, I want to leave you with this passing reflection. So earlier uh, in this brief, I noted that the racial activists promoted Measure 110, and they said that they were doing so because, quote, criminalizing drugs disproportionately harms poor people and people of color, end quote. Well, the actual people of color, the normal people, not the activists, they have had quite enough of the world that activism has brought them in the state of Oregon. Right, 70% of these folks say that they want Measure 110 repealed immediately. And that's pretty darn important. Because what it tells me, and I think what it should tell all of us, is that no matter our skin color, or the media, or activists that try to tell us otherwise or divide us, most Americans are good. And eventually, we will come to our senses. And it tells me that we all can see through the the Soros and, and Zuckerberg agenda. And we're tired of it. We want our communities back. We want our state back. And ultimately, we want our country back too. And with that, let's take our first break of the morning. For subscribers listening at rightreport.substack.com, no ads for you. The podcast gets delivered to you each day in your email, along with transcripts of the morning's report with hyperlinks to the facts and data that I've presented today. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, thank you so much and enjoy the following messages, remembering that if you don't hear my voice telling you about a product or service, then I do not endorse it. We'll be right back. Hurricane season is upon us with a Dahlia on its way, and the time to prepare, folks, is right now. And to be prepared, you ought to order emergency food kits from 4Patriots.com. Their long-lasting and tasty food options are specifically designed to provide you and your loved ones with the sustenance you need when you need it the most. And that is because, ladies and gentlemen, Four Patriots Survival Food Kits are hand-packed in the United States. They last for upwards of 25 years, and they include a wide variety of breakfasts and lunches and dinners. Plus, they are backed by over a 1,000 five-star customer reviews. But I should say that 4Patriots, they are ready for you even after hurricane season. You can use 4Patriots survival foods after, say, a temporary power outage or crazy people rioting or, in a few months, a winter blizzard. But I'll tell you, if you've got 4Patriots sitting on your shelf, none of that matters. You are ready for whatever comes your way. And right now, you can go to 4Patriots.com and use a great promo code, right, and you will get 10% off your first order. So go to 4Patriots.com. That's the number 4, Patriots.com. Use that promo code of right W-R-I-G-H-T, and you will get 10% off your first order. Again, that is 4Patriots.com, and go there today. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue, shall we, to our second report of the morning. Doctors, scientists, and researchers at the Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, are approving more pharmaceutical drugs that are based on slim evidence and even less public disclosure. 
And that means that America's drug supply could be full of medicines that are deadlier, less effective, or have more side effects than Americans are led to believe. That conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, is based on a pair of recent studies out last week from, ironically enough, Oregon State University. So here's what we know this morning, as reported by OSU and the media outlet Medical Express, starting, though, with a little bit of history. So back in 1992, the HIV epidemic was absolutely raging and there were credible drugs out there, candidates to help people. They were stuck, unfortunately, in the FDA's review process, all because the allegation went at the time there was not enough qualified staff or funding to do it. Well, Congress then passed a law that asked drug companies that were trying to get their stuff approved to, well, pony up some cash to help hire people. And here was the idea. So let's say Pfizer or Moderna wants to, you know, get their vaccine approved. Well, as they submitted their drug application for approval, they have to provide a fee to the U.S. government and the FDA. And that money then funds the operations of the FDA and the staff members that oversee the process. And so back in the 1990s, these drug companies started doing that and have ever since. More on the implications of that in a second. Well, fast forward to the year 2016. Congress passed another law called the 21st Century Cures Act. And as a part of that law, the FDA relaxed its standards for the studies necessary to approve a new drug. Now, the idea was that by relaxing standards, that would speed the pipeline up of new drugs into the medical system, especially for cancer patients who were in a desperate need of, well, frankly, a miracle. So putting those two things together, like the drug industry now funding the salaries of those people overseeing the drug approval process. And then we've got less strident studies that are now necessary before they approve of these drugs to then be consumed by the American people. Well, those two things, well, it's led to some problems. Let's start first with this latest news out of Oregon. Researchers at Oregon State University said last week that the FDA last year approved of 37 drugs, with 27 of them approved based on a single study. And historically, that wasn't the case. You had to have multiple studies of very high quality to get approved. But with that law that was passed back in 2016, that is no longer necessarily true. Plus, these researchers at OSU said, trying to de uh, decipher the results of these studies as slim as they are, it's increasingly difficult to impossible. Right? As these researchers said, it has resulted in consumers missing some pretty vital information to understand a drug safety protocol or its efficacy. In other words, consumers are really having a hard time looking at these studies and understanding, for instance, what did the results actually show? Or why were certain studies chosen by the drug companies while others were perhaps discarded? In other words, these researchers at OSU said that the FDA system is increasingly weak on the science and not especially transparent. And that could be leaving us with an entire system of prescription drugs and vaccines that may or may not work or even be deadly. And sadly, there have been deadly consequences of this FDA system. For example, the media outlet PBS has run a series on the FDA rushing out medicines that were not properly screened and that killed people. Also, the LA Times, ProPublica, the New York Times, and NPR, they all too have run exposés on this exact same issue of various drugs killing people, right? The same alarm bells saying we've got some deadly medicines out there. 
Perhaps the most explosive example, though, in recent times was with the COVID vaccines, which, of course, the FDA played a very critical role in authorizing. Well, the British medical journal BMJ, they published an expose that called the FDA's oversight of COVID clinical trials, quote, grossly inadequate, end quote. And that takes us to our second concern that I mentioned just a minute ago, drug industry cash. So the journal uh, science.org, they released an expose a couple years ago that found widespread cash payments to FDA panel members who consulted on drug approvals. Meanwhile, the New York Times has also reported that the drug industry is funding much of the FDA's budget, upwards of 75% of the agency's drug division. Let me just say that one more time. The pharmaceutical industry in this country, they are contributing upwards of 75% of the agency's budget that then approves or disapproves of the drug. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, there are some serious conflicts of interests throughout the FDA that might be impacting the safety and efficacy of the drugs that you put into your body, whether you put those in by choice or by mandate. And to make matters worse, the media outlet uh, ProPublica has published evidence that the FDA is not properly inspecting America's supply chain of drugs, which, as I have shared with you previously, most recently on August 11th, most of America's supply chain for prescription drugs, that is coming from abroad, specifically China and India. In fact, I want you to listen to this shocking statistic, folks. Only 6% of these four manufacturing plants of our medicines have been inspected recently by the FDA. And that is why the U.S. military recently announced that it's going to partner with an independent lab to start testing some of these medicines to make sure that they're, you know, not poisoning our military. The point then, ladies and gentlemen, is this. America's supply of drugs has three profound risks this morning that we need to talk about and remember. First, the FDA is rushing the approval process for new drugs, and that is leading to sloppy or grossly negligent research. Second, the studies themselves are being paid for by the drug companies selling the stuff. And that raises very serious questions about outside influence and conflicts of interest. And third, whatever drugs do get authorized by the FDA, those are coming from abroad with very little quality control to make sure that they are safe and effective. So those are the three sobering facts and pieces of data this morning for us to think about. Let me now pivot to my analysis and opinion. As I read and contemplated these facts and data, one thing became utterly clear to me. The FDA does not deserve our unflinching trust. Right? That doesn't mean that we can't trust anything they say or we shouldn't take a single pill or vaccine. But it does mean that you have every right, actually obligation, to question whether that be your doctors, your pharmacists, and your politicians. And that is certainly true given the brief that I gave you yesterday on COVID vaccines with another possible round of recommendations that we must all take them. So here's what I would recommend. Reach out to your U.S. representatives and senators on this one because it is they who are supposed to be providing oversight of the FDA and this entire system. So go to house.gov or senate.gov Find your elected leaders and reach out to them. 
For paid subscribers, I would encourage you print out today's transcript and, and read through all the hyperlinks to all the sources. Get yourselves fully educated and then email and call those elected leaders. And don't let them give you any guff on this. Right? The facts and data are overwhelming that we have a problem. And by the way, that includes from leftist media outlets that I cited today. In other words, this shouldn't be a partisan issue, but sometimes it is. So I'm giving you an arming you with stuff from both the left, the right, and the center. Plus, if you're so moved, use the transcript and all the data from the, that I've offered you today and tell other people around you, your friends and family as well. Because that is ultimately what this podcast is all about, at least for me. It's about arming you with information, well-sourced facts and data, and then just letting you make the call, to start conversations, and ultimately to start making change. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. We'll be right back. Well, I've got something different to tell you about today, folks. It's a product, but it is endorsed by not only me, but by you, a listener. Craig in Campbelltown, Pennsylvania, wrote me about Wacker Coffee Company. Funny name, great coffee. So here's what Craig had to say about Wacker Coffee. Brian, I had my first cup just a moment ago, and I'm working on my second. This is, hands down, the best coffee I have ever had. You have made an old guy in Campbelltown very happy. This is a superior product, and I know now where I will be buying my coffee from from this point forward. Craig, yes, sir. I told y'all this company is run by a former United States Marine, wonderful family man. And I'll tell you, he is a guy with a serious passion for roasting coffee. In fact, his company's motto is we empower coffee beans to be the very best versions of themselves. Now that is a Marine who is serious about his coffee. So folks, go to wackercoffeeco.com. That's W-A-C-K-E-R and enter the promo code right report for 10% off. Ah, again, folks, go to wackercoffeeco.com today and buy this stuff because your taste buds will be so, so happy. Folks, if there were ever a product that you should consider, man, this is it. Jace Medical. They provide an emergency supply of prescriptions and antibiotics. And here's why you should consider them. As listeners know, I have spoken about how China and India control most of our prescription drugs, including antibiotics. Well, what happens if a war should break out over, say, Taiwan or maybe a pandemic again? Well, we all know what happens. Our supplies of critical products get interrupted, and that is not acceptable if your life depends on it. So that is why I am proud to tell you about JaceMedical.com. And here's how it works. You fill out a simple form at jasemedical.com. Then you speak with a board-certified physician. And within days, your order arrives at your home for emergency use. And I'll tell you, it, this is not for casual use, folks. Talk to your normal doctors for sniffles and such. This is for emergency use with potency lasting for years should the worst ever come. So, friends, go to jacemedical.com, enter promo code RIGHT, that is W-R-I-G-H-T, and you will get a discounted order. Again, that is promo code RIGHT at J-A-S-E-Medical.com. 
Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. It is a listener question today, and this one's actually a first. It was sent to me by a donor from Stripe who was kind enough to offer a one-time donation over the weekend. Michael from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho wrote in, which, by the way, is one of the prettiest places in the world, really. In fact, Coeur d'Alene, Sandpoint, Bonners Ferry, absolutely gorgeous country. If you've never been, go. But anyway, Michael wrote in, and he had this to say, Brian, I loved last Saturday's episode and the email that you got from Joe B. from Wisconsin. If you guys ever have a barbecue, invite me. I'm in. Second, you have mentioned that you did alias work and you had a fake foreign passport. Is there anything you can tell us about that that, uh, well, won't get me killed? So, Michael, first, you are correct to say that Joe B. from Wisconsin is a wonderful man. And yes, if we ever have a barbecue in Wisconsin, you are invited. And I'll probably live stream it on YouTube or Rumble, if you'll let me. Second, let's talk about alias work. As I mentioned in previous episodes, it is really, really hard and very stressful. And that's because you have to lie and keep that lie consistent under very tremendous pressure and extended periods of time. But doing alias work can be a ton of fun. And I did learn a few things that, well, frankly, I still use a few tricks of the trade. I'll share one with you that you might find helpful. It's called a talon. That is spelled T-A-L-O-N, a talon. So here's the idea with a little bit of background. So when operations officers like me who do alias work in the field and recruit spies and steal secrets, right, they get ready for that alias role by creating a, a character of their alias persona. Right? They would imagine uh, the person's personality, their likes and dislikes, and all the intimate details of this fantasy person, like where they live, work, their personal, professional history. But my goodness, that is a lot of information to memorize. So to help folks do that, right, ops officers use a talon. Now, a talon is usually something that you can hold onto or touch, say, a pin or a cufflink, a, a key, a coin, a pair of glasses. But whatever it is, when an ops officer in alias touches that or feels it, right, that sensation puts them into character. It reminds them of who they are supposed to be, that fake life. So let's imagine that our talent is, say, a, a set of cufflinks. Well, we can imagine that those belong to, say, our grandpa, who was a pharmacist in Kansas where we grew up actually just outside of Topeka. And we remember that he would put those cufflinks on every day before work. And he would always say, as he put those cufflinks on, dress for success. Oh, now that's a nice memory. You know, he would probably say it in his living room, right? As he drove off in his old Buick LeSabre. But none of that's true, actually. But the cufflinks take our minds and our imaginations into that world the world of our alias persona. And that helps calm our minds and remember all the little details about that fake life of ours in Kansas. But the best part of using the town is that nobody knows what is going on in your head as you see, look, or touch those cufflinks. It is the perfect operational secret. Well, Michael, you can use this too. So let's say you've got a big meeting coming up or a, a big game or you're just stressed out in life. Try finding a talent, right? Something that reminds you of your purpose or past success or a time when you were just really proud of yourself. 
Or maybe it's a, a trinket from a parent or an ancestor that reminds you of the, the hardships and the sacrifice that they endured that gives you all the blessings that you have today. And then when you need some courage or conviction or peace, stillness, grab that talon and let your memories and your imaginations take over. Let it remind you of your purpose, of the future, of success. Or if you're stressed out, use the talon to bring you to a place of peace, to remind you that, well, as my mother often says, this too shall pass. So that's a little bit of fun tradecraft, Michael, from the world of spies. I, I hope you use it. It's a nice little boost, a little trick that you can use without anybody else knowing. And maybe it helps you land that big meeting or quarterback the big game. Or maybe it just helps you get through a tough time a little bit easier. Folks, if you would like me to answer one of your questions on the podcast, it is easy to do. You can either donate via my Stripe account, which is in the show notes from today's episode. Just make sure that when you do that, leave your email and I'll be in touch. Otherwise, go to writereport.substack.com. You'll sign up and then each day you will get an email. And when you open that email at the bottom of the day's Substack post, you can leave me a comment or ask me a question. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.